Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Casey Murray. And I'm Jack Anstein. On today's episode, we'll look at how music venues and performers whose businesses rely on people gathering in public spaces were impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. And later, we'll look at non-fungible tokens, the digital assets that have seen their sale prices soar and could present an opportunity for businesses. Plus, well, the week's headlines, digits, and other startup news you need to know. So what are we waiting for? Let's speak startup. So Casey, St. Patrick's Day happened recently. Did you do anything fun to celebrate? No, I normally really enjoy St. Patrick's Day, but this year I just hung out at home. What about you? I didn't do anything very exciting either, but my roommate's mom did send us some masks with four-leaf clovers on them, and I made sure to wear it so I didn't get pinched. Yeah, I will say that's one good thing about a pandemic St. Patrick's Day is that people aren't really supposed to pinch you. When I think of St. Patrick's Day, I imagine the parades and all the gatherings of people drinking. So I'm interested to see if anyone found any way to celebrate without going in crowded spaces. I agree. But with that, let's get to the headlines. Torch AI, a startup based in the Kansas City area, has raised $30 million in a Series A funding round. San Francisco-based growth equity firm Westcap Group led the funding round. Torch AI makes a software that can analyze large amounts of data to help its customers across a variety of industries make decisions. As a result of the funding, Torch AI plans to hire up to 400 employees in the Kansas City area over the next three years. St. Louis startup accelerator, Capital Innovators, has selected its spring cohort. The six startups include Lucid Ratings, a St. Louis startup that provides a platform for rating medical professionals, and The Medical Consultant, a Springfield startup that helps radiology patients get second opinions and virtual appointments. The accelerator includes a 12-week program, seed funding, mentoring, and networking. Capital Innovators launched in 2010, and the Spring Cohort marks its 23rd group. St. Louis tech startup Disruptal has raised just over $1.1 million in seed funding. The startup was founded in 2017 by Alex Quinn when he was in high school and makes interactive television and voice technology. PJC and Progress Ventures, both Boston-based firms, led the funding round. Several prominent angel investors also joined in. St. Louis investment firm Lewis & Clark Agri-Foods which is an offshoot of Lewis and Clark Partners, has named a new managing director. Tim Hassler is the newest member of the three-person team of directors and came to the firm in 2019 as a principal. Before Lewis and Clark, Hassler was a managing partner at Advantage Capital Agribusiness Partners. Casey, when's the last concert you've been to? I went to a concert a few years ago. Obviously, many people haven't been going to concerts in the past year. I haven't been to a concert in a long time either. It's been around a year now since the music venues across the nation first shut down due to the COVID-19 pandemic, some permanently. This not only impacted those businesses, but also the musicians that made a living playing in the venues. Different venues have responded in different ways, from simply waiting out the pandemic to hosting live stream performances, while some have reopened while following COVID-19 guidelines. I can imagine it would be a really difficult time to navigate an industry that traditionally relies on large social gatherings. 
Well, for those involved with music venues, some help may be on the way. The Shuttered Venue Operators Grant Program was signed into law as part of the federal relief package passed in late December and is set to distribute funding to venue operators in early April. Do you know what impact that will have on the industry? Well, I spoke with people involved in the Kansas City live music scene about their experiences during the pandemic. One thing I heard was that while every bit helps, no amount of relief could outweigh the damage done by the COVID-19 pandemic. Early last March, musicians and performers were playing to crowds across Missouri. But when the pandemic hit the Midwest, the venues fell silent. Um, so we had our last concert at the Riot Room on March 15th, 2020. And we haven't had a concert since. That's Tim Gitchenritter, the owner of the Riot Room, a Kansas City venue for rock shows. He said that without live performances, the Riot Room took a major blow. Um, so I think over the course of time, the impact has been huge. Um, for the year of 2020, um, I mean, we've lost over 90% of revenues for the business. Um, we've had no live events. Um, we have had a couple um, private fundraisers at the venue with some bands. Um, but other than that, it's been really quiet. We had to let all of our staff go. While some venues have returned to hosting concerts, the Riot Room has decided not to yet, citing public safety reasons. In June, it opened at limited capacity to serve beers and other drinks. Kitchenwriter said he is thankful that he was able to keep his business afloat. Live music, you know, we deal in social gatherings. That's, that's just what it is, you know, for places like us. And there's a lot of places like us all across the world in America. I mean, we were the first to shut down. We'll be the last to open up and get back to normal. Like we've lost a lot of live music venues throughout this, this um, pandemic. It's been horrible across the board. To assist venues that have been impacted by the pandemic, the Shuttered Venue Operators Grant Program is set to provide relief to people involved with live venue businesses. The program was signed into law as part of the federal relief package passed in late December and will provide eligible businesses with grants based on their 2019 gross revenue. It's looking like the 1st of April, the shuttered venue grants are going to come down the pipeline, which are way overdue. Um, I think people are hanging on by a thread. This legislation was passed a long time ago. It's like, give these people their money. It's like, if not, we're all, you know, people are going to start dropping like flies. And it's just going to be a horrible situation for the culture of this country and more specifically Kansas City. Kitchen Renter said that while the grants will be a big help, they can't make up for the loss the live music industry has faced over the past year. No amount of money is going to be able to fix the losses that have been accrued from all of us over this time. It's just, it's great. And don't get me wrong, I highly appreciate it and am very thankful, but it's still, it happened and it's going to be tough. It's going to be a, a, a process um, that's going to take time for all of us moving forward, even with the shuttered venue grants. I think that it's gonna help a lot of people really move to the next step to decide whether or not they can either move forward or whether or not they can not move forward and just pay off the debts that they've accrued over this time. While venue owners have grant funding to assist them, the performers who play at the venues are not eligible for the same relief, despite being affected by the pandemic as well. Fitz Hutchison is a drummer and guitarist in Kansas City with a range of experience from playing in a number of cover bands 
to creating his own records. He said that before venues closed, live performances accounted for at least 50% of his revenue and that the pandemic marked a turning point in his career. I was scheduled to release my first solo album on March 27th. So that was like the second show of mine that got canceled. It was like a really important one. It took me like five years to make the record start to finish. And it was just like, I, I'm not saying this to be like, woe is me, but it just like there, you know, I had a lot of high expectations for that weekend. And like, it was like the first thing to go. To adapt the pandemic, Hutchison got a side job and focused on writing and recording new music. He said local musicians have responded to the pandemic in a variety of ways. There are some people that are like live streaming from their house every Wednesday afternoon, no matter what, you know, and that's just like how they're getting through it. Um, I see some people have just gone completely silent, kind of like I did for a while. Uh, and, you know, other musicians have been, you know, getting out there and doing more things. You know, I was lucky because I, uh, I was able to get a job, but like a lot of other musicians didn't have an opportunity like that. And so they really had to try to figure out a way to hack the system. Hutchison said he has also found new inspiration during the pandemic and that he thinks it has an impact on arts and culture, similar to the 1918 influenza pandemic. I do think that we're heading into a culture boom that's going to be really exciting uh, and strange and weird and and visceral and beautiful and i think uh, i think we're heading into a really exciting time to be alive as for gitchen Ritter with the riot room he said he believes the culture and community created by music can outlast the challenges the industry has faced i feel like live music is something that gives people a sense of belonging to something um it's really something that unites people together um, I think that it really fuels the culture of Kansas City and, and everywhere. I mean, I, I, I think that it's one of the most important parts of the personality of every city in this country is its art scene. turn our attention to something known as non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. Jack, have you heard of NFTs? No, I haven't. What are they? NFTs are unique digital assets. They take different forms, from digital artwork to in-app purchases bought inside a video game. Okay, so why are we talking about them here on Speaking Startup? Well, they're a new kind of asset, and there's a fast-growing market for them. Earlier this month, an NFT created by a digital artist sold for $69 million in a sale run by the auction house Christie's. Wow, that's a lot of money. So beyond digital artwork and video games, are we going to see these NFTs in other businesses? It seems likely. Reporter Alex Bradbury has more on what NFTs are and what the market for them looks like. Currently, non-fungible tokens are sweeping their way across the business world and popping up in various different markets. In early March, one of these digital assets sold at auction for more than $69 million. $69 million. I think it probably means digital art is here to stay. I'm going to Disney World! That's a clip of the digital artist known as Beeple, reacting to the Christie's auction of a non-fungible token he created. 
Although it was the most expensive sale to date for one of these assets, it was not the only 8-figure transaction. Total sales of non-fungible tokens have eclipsed 400 million according to nonfungible.com, which tracks that data. Now, what exactly is a non-fungible token? Called NFT for short, these tokens are certificates that verify ownership of a digital asset. Fungible means something that can be used interchangeably with other assets of its type. Examples of this could be gold or paper currency such as dollars or euros. By contrast, a non-fungible token is an asset that cannot be substituted. It has characteristics that make it unique from something in its same asset class. An example of this could be digital artwork or an in-game purchase in a video game. Beeple isn't the only artist to see a big payday from selling NFTs. The musician and visual artist Grimes recently made millions off her own sales. Grimes just made $58 million in about 22 hours off of her digital artwork that she released. Grimes just made more money than she'll probably ever make with her music on one set of her series of artwork that she released. That's just mind-boggling. That's Tim Lawrence, a serial entrepreneur and head administrator of the Facebook group, Kansas City Bitcoin Club. I've owned and operated small businesses, businesses throughout my life. You know, my proficiency is information technology. That's one is what I'm into. Lawrence has also gotten into NFTs. He is one of 20 people licensed to sell tokens for the virtual reality real estate game, Upland. So every square inch of the world is mapped in Upland, and they open certain areas for you to purchase plots of land. And, you, know, you can actually look at the street view and look at what you're purchasing in real life. Now, you don't actually purchase the real estate in real life. It's just a, it's a, it's a digital representation is all it is. Similar to physical real estate, these NFTs will become more valuable as the game becomes more popular over time. So although these assets exist virtually in a video game, they represent a real investment. All NFTs are built on blockchain technology. Blockchain is a decentralized digital system for recording transactions in a way that's designed to ensure transparency and security. It's the same technology underlying cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. This is actually educated more people about blockchain and uh, it's ability to do things that people weren't aware that it could do. That's Ryan Wright, a blockchain consultant based in Kansas City. Wright says that just about anyone can get started and create their own NFT for their company. You would need a Web3 wallet to do it. If you go to a website like OpenSea and you set up an account and you are also able to open up a quote-unquote shop or become a curator, Wright sees opportunities for a variety of businesses to utilize NFTs and points to some industries that have begun experimenting with them. For instance, apparel businesses have started producing unique digital clothing. If we encounter more and more things where we have to stay home and people go to parties virtually, why not add on clothing that's a virtual reality that you wear to these? And so Adidas and Gucci and Louis Vuitton, they've already started um, programming virtual reality clothing that you can go and look at there. Wright says increased virtual interaction since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic has helped fuel the rise of NFTs. Though blockchain technology has been around since 2008, interest in digital assets has exploded just in the past year. They've become so popular because people work from home. 
transition to go from uh, the digital world to the artistic one. And in my opinion, it's a long overdue the bridging of the physical and virtual worlds through non-fungible tokens is opening a valuable new market for digital artists and other early adopters. And in time, they expect others will follow suit. Now let's get to the digits of the week, the numbers that matter most in Missouri entrepreneurship. My digit this week is three. Three? Why three? St. Louis software startup Top Ops has been acquired by Silicon Valley firm Exactly, marking the third time founder, Jim Emberlin, has sold a tech startup that he created. Emberlin founded Host Analytics in 2001, which is now a part of California-based Planful, and Gainsight in 2011, which was valued at $1 billion last year. The terms of the deal between Top Ops and Exactly were not disclosed. Operations of Top Ops are expected to stay in St. Louis. What digit have you chosen this week? The digit I've chosen is 360 million. Why that digit? Kansas City Metro-based Euronet Worldwide will buy merchant credit services and thousands of terminals for $360 million from Piraeus Bank, the largest bank in Greece. Piraeus terminals make up 20% of the Greek market. Euronet said it expects the acquisition to add $80 million to $90 million in revenue and $15 million to $20 million in earnings. That just about concludes our episode. we just seen our closing thought. Here's Tim Gutschenritter, owner of The Riot Room, discussing how businesses can stay afloat during the pandemic. I would say do as much as you can to generate as much revenue as you can. I would say communicate with your team as much as possible. Everyone's situation is different. And I think that it's really important for everyone to acknowledge everyone else. That's all for this week's episode. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Jack Anstein and me, Casey Murray. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. We'll speak to you next time.